Welcome to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Here are your hosts, Alan Burroughs and Claire Jordan. In our work, we have the privilege of meeting some pretty incredible people. This podcast provides a platform to share some of the conversations we get to have with a broader audience, bringing thought leaders in the nonprofit sector directly to you since you cannot always come to them. We want to highlight generosity by speaking with those who can help share your stories of great philanthropy. In addition to the audio on our podcast recording, you can also access episode notes of these conversations on our website at capdev.com slash podcasts. It's been said that raising money and building a culture of philanthropy is both art and science. Over the next several podcasts, we at CapDev will invite colleagues and clients to explore and discuss relevant capital campaigns to illustrate the art and science. Today, we start with the building of an effective case for support, or as we at CapDev like to call it, the why. Today, we've invited three guests to join us for this podcast episode. Number one is Iris Cole. Iris is a senior strategist at M Creative, a firm based in Winston-Salem, which provides values-driven strategic communication and with whom we partner frequently for our clients in this work related to case development. Second is Rob Hudspeth. Rob is the president of Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation And he is the Senior Vice President for System Advancement at Appalachian Regional Healthcare System. Self-explanatory what that is, and he is located in Boone. Our third guest is Lily Skoke Bunch, one of our own Senior Counsel at Capital Development. Lily was the appointed Senior Counsel for the team that worked on the Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation project. We've invited them all here today because we want to focus on the case for support. Alan, talk to us a little bit about what we mean when we talk about the case. Donors want to know why their gifts are needed. A case for support that our guests will discuss today is a written narrative that explains the need for the campaign, the impact of its success, and why donor support is so essential. The case connects to both someone's mind and emotions, thus the science and the art. So today we are going to start a new series with Generously Speaking, and we're going to talk about four different topics throughout this year that are the key focus areas that we talk about in all that we do. We're starting today with talking about the case for support. From here, we're going to go on and talk about capacity, building capacity, development planning. And then from there, we're going to go into talking about leadership. That's such a key piece. And we're going to finish up with donors later in the year. As we jump into this today with the case for support, I've invited a few guests to join us. And I'm so excited that y'all are here to talk with us. And to help us facilitate this conversation is one of our senior counsel, Lily Skoke Bunch. And Lily had the privilege of getting to partner with our client, Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation, on a campaign. And in part of that campaign, as we all know, the beginning point is developing a case for support. And they chose to partner with M Creative, who is also local friends of CapDev and worked with Mary Jamis and Iris Cole, who is with us today. So I want to introduce just just as a beginning point, Lily is here. Hello, good morning. I have Rob Hudspeth, who's the president of the Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation. Good morning, Claire. 
And I have Iris Cole, who's the senior strategist at M Creative. Hi, really nice to be here this morning with you. I want to start with Rob and Lily. If y'all would uh, help me think about the vision for this campaign and how things originated. Can you tell about that story? I would say that the vision for our campaign really started with our board of trustees, uh, our CEO and our leadership team and the healthcare system. We have, for the last five to seven years, like many other healthcare systems, been um, really engaged in uh, an improvement process, really focusing on quality of care and uh, particularly patient experience. As we looked at our healthcare system as a whole, we realized there were several areas that we needed to strengthen. And so uh, the areas that we identified, four key areas that we identified, really became the priorities for our campaign. And that started as it should, right, Lily? That's exactly right. And I have to say that the process that we worked through with Appalachian Regional was really ideal. So I'm sure not a coincidence that this is the client that Capital Development chose to highlight in this conversation. When we came on board at Capital Development to conduct a feasibility study, which outlines really a conversation with donors and stakeholders of Appalachian Regional to see how they feel about various aspects of both the campaign and the organization, Appalachian Regional was very clear in what was important for the system to succeed and why it was important. That was very clear through very intentional strategic planning that had taken place on the leadership level and then the feasibility study, which then culminated with the priorities of the capital campaign, were tested in the community before we identified those. Okay, I want to pick up on exactly what you just said, the what and the why, I think are key words that Lily just referenced. And Rob, Iris, feel free to jump in here on this piece. How do you get a client to transition from the what the priorities, Rob, that you mentioned that you all had worked out mm-hmm. to the why, to what's really important and how you express that? We've completed a, a capital, a large capital campaign not too long ago. And so we learned through that process that people are always interested in buildings and what structures are being erected and watching the progress of that. But that's really not at the crux of why we wanted them to be interested. And so in that previous campaign, we we learned that the... uh, that the why is so important. And we had to explain it in terms of the, I call it the WIFM principle, the what's in it for me. And so we had to explain that. I really actually believe in this campaign, we focused on the why first and uh, really being able to articulate that. And then we developed the what we were going to do about it in terms of what processes and what buildings and what systems we were going to change. And uh, that really became the four campaign priorities. Um, How do you say your why? I try to phrase it in terms of, uh, you know, what I believe a donor would be interested in. And so, of course, we do our research going in, what people's experiences have been with healthcare. We try to have that before we go into a meeting. Then we talk about all the particular areas, what we believe will be interesting. And sometimes we're surprised, but usually if we've done our research, we're on target. So you got the heartstrings in there. Is that where you come in, Iris? I was going to say, let me piggyback off of that one. Um, You know, when we move into the communications aspect of a campaign, the why is 
is the most critical thing. That is where we have to start. And I will just say that the process that had led to the point where we came into the work um, had really clearly identified that. But we always take the time at the beginning to have conversations, not only with the organization, but their stakeholders as well, and people who have been impacted by what they do. And so the why ends up taking us from what is the head side of this to the heart side. Truly. Mm -hmm. And really engaging at that heart and emotional level. And what is the promise? What is the promise of this campaign? If we do this right and we make these investments, what is it that we want to see? And, you know, we clearly heard things such as excellence and immediate access and yet delivered with that personal touch that has been just a real stepstone of this organization. And so we really took that to heart as we moved into the creative I think the other piece that was really critical, and I just want to say again, the importance of the strategic planning work that took place on the part of the board of trustees and the leadership staff that really provided the framework that helps for the foundation to identify that work and then to make that job easy for Mm -hmm. M creative because that work had been done. And I just also want to add what the feasibility study brought to that, which was again, for those of you who are familiar with feasibility studies, where we go out and test the case for support with a group of, interested donors and stakeholders. And we really heard three themes that came up over and over and over that reinforced the why that really Rob and his team had outlined. And that was one access in Western North Carolina, in the mountains. Boone obviously, you know, is a semi-rural, it's an urban center, but all around that is very rural and there was a real passion about access. The second was enlightened self-interest, mm-hmm. and that's our that. friend so glad you said it. Ken Lewis, yeah. who said very clearly and has said many, many times since then what motivated his significant philanthropy, which was... I might live in Charlotte or New York or South Palm Beach, but I may be up here for the weekend and I may have a heart attack when I'm here and I may not be able to get to New York or Miami or wherever else. And I want to make sure that the quality of the health care that I can access quickly is at the level that I need it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So when we say enlightened self-interest, just to piggyback a tiny on your second point, we're really saying making the campaign about me. It becomes personal there. Exactly. And what happens when it becomes personal, Rob? Well, the gifts are bigger. (laughs) So yeah, they gave a generous gift. Lily, you sort of... I stole your thunder. Yeah, you stole my thunder. Yeah. When we talked about it, uh, it was personal to him, but he also wanted to help the community. So he talked about it being available for everybody. Right. So I was saying the access first, enlightened self-interest, and the third piece was excellence, which I think Iris just spoke to passionately. And none of the three of those three things were exclusive. They were inextricably connected. Right. It's access to excellence for everyone mm, good. and enlightened mm. self-interest for me and for everyone else that I know I have access to quality health care because I have the resources to have access to it. But what motivated Ken to go from a certain level to another level was, 
you know, I want that access for everyone, not just for me. Okay. And that to me becomes about altruism. And uh, this moves a little bit beyond the case, but don't y'all think that's what the case gets to spark in people is not just giving for me, but if you want to speak to that broadened sense of what the impact of this is. I'll say that if I put a number on it, probably 90% of our gifts are altruistic. Um, They're not self-serving. And so that's really exciting as a fundraiser to hear why people are passionate, what what drives that decision-making and how it's pulling at their heartstrings. I think at the end of the day, the particular campaign at Appalachian Regional is a $12 million campaign. And enlightened self-interest will get you only so far in that way. Because, again, as many of the donors have said to both Rob and the other frontline fundraisers and to the CEO, you know, I can really go anywhere for my health care. I can go anywhere to get my hip replaced. I don't really need Appalachian to have a great ortho program that is nationally recognized. But what really motivated them was... But I kind of like the idea of everyone having access to that, mm-hmm. that they may not have because they don't have the resources to get that far. So that why, which was built from the strategy that was initially started by the board of trustees, then translated into what are the investments that we need to make with private philanthropy to achieve those goals? Because as we know, in a healthcare system, it's big business, right? The operating budget of Appalachian Regional Hospital is... $235 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you think about how can my million dollars make a difference, or even more importantly, how can my $10,000 make mm-hmm. a difference, it is the why that helps me figure out my place in that vision to make it better. Okay. So the process here, you talked about beginning first with the strategic planning and how important that was to the process, the reactions to the feasibility study, moving on along with through the why, can you all talk about the evolution of the case, the changes that happened along the way? RSU can especially address that and how you all came up with this anthem in your design. I love the anthem. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but the process started with amazing strategy and you know for us it also starts with strategy from a communications standpoint and so taking what was already in place and moving it into a creative summary which is the guide for our creative process so that we know you know what is the most important thing to say and to communicate so that everybody sees themselves in this campaign and then clearly sees the priorities but we have to balance that also with that heart side of things, what is really going to speak to people. And I'll also say that we had a challenge of balancing mm-hmm. a lot in, in the development of this campaign. Uh, we had you know, sort of two separate audiences, one which was more local and one which was not there all the time. And so we really needed to speak to that and bridge that both from a standpoint of the language that we used, but also the visuals that that we put out there. Um, And then, you know, we had to balance sort of the beauty of the high country with this just equitable access to amazing health care. So we were we were really trying to find those sweet spots uh, within the context of what we were doing. 
I think Iris just brings up a really good point that's important to consider when you're thinking about a case for support and the kind of materials that you're creating and the creative process. And that is the notion of audience and who you're speaking to. And as Iris mentioned, we had two very distinct audiences for this campaign and for this case. One are the locals in Watauga County. Um, and Avery and, County. And Avery County, that really the three or four county area that is mm-hmm. served by Appalachian Regional Medical Center, but also the audiences in the summer communities that are generally very affluent and have really driven the philanthropy at the healthcare system for a long time. And part of the messaging was focused on how do we build a greater connection with the local community without losing that summer community. And I think that's something that Rob and his team were constantly very clear about, and Iris spoke to, that juxtaposition of the local community and the summer community and and the changing demographics of the summer community and how we need to speak to them in different ways. And I think that's what really... Um, was captured in the case and important to remember. And I want to say for our listeners, that is not unique to you all as a client because many of our clients have a variety of different audiences they need to address. And Iris, you probably see this all the time. All the time. It's actually, I mean, we see even more groups that we have to speak to and where we put it out, how we put it out, how we speak about it, and how we communicate it through our visual language is just super, super important. So you all are talking about written materials. What happens, you know, in the process from a feasibility study where you begin with just a written document, just the language, only really kind of content to test. And then that becomes, it gets developed beautifully into crafted, creative, printed materials. That process, Iris. That is special magic. Um, (laughs) But what I have learned, because I play on the strategy side of things, um, and I say sometimes maybe I have the more square part of what we do, but if I do my job right and I get it right, then I turn that over to a creative team who thinks so beautifully and they do what is called the creative leap from what is the most important thing that we need to say. That creative leap led to, for this campaign, a concept of higher elevation. And it's so simple, and yet it's so brilliant, Mm -hmm. because it captured the place, it captured the essence of the organization, and I think it also captured the essence of what we were trying to achieve together through this campaign. And I would say, just thinking around that theme of higher elevation, and I think the terrific work that Robin and his team did articulating to M Creative what was important to them, not just in the words of the case that outlined the priorities, but what sort of feeds the soul of the people of the high country and how do we capture that in the document. And so everything from the words higher elevation to the design of the materials that are all sort of stepping stones building up. I mean, each page sort of builds left to right, bottom to top, and all these kinds of amazing creative... Um, Mountain imagery. Image, this creative imagery that is so beyond my wheelhouse um, that they were able to articulate and lay out in a way that I will say I was amazed at how little edits took place between 
the case for support that was a very text-heavy document to the final product, it was really, M Creative took that document and turned it into very different words, very different images, and it worked perfectly. And that's when it works well. When you do not have a case for support that is driven by why, Mm -hmm. because the team did that advance work, that process to get to what we got to takes much longer and is much harder. Yeah. So, Rob, for you all, when you got the language, that first draft that CapDev does, and then you saw this beautiful piece that I'm holding in my hand, what were your all's in your internal office? What your all's reactions first before we moved to donor reactions? It was spot on. I mean, it was concise. It pulled at your heartstrings. It was. Um, it really captured the essence of what we were trying to convey. Additionally, our challenge, we talked about target audiences. And so one audience is the group of people that live there throughout the year, and they have a perception of healthcare that, and Iris nailed it, you know, we want to emphasize excellence. Although we're in a relatively small locale, um, we actually have excellent providers, um, five-star CMS rating, uh, leapfrog uh, ratings, but people still have trouble believing a small healthcare system in, you know, rural Western North Carolina can be really, really good. And so that was one uh, message that needed to, uh, we really needed to address that in, uh, in what M Creative was doing. And then the seasonal residents, you know, they have access to, as Lily said, New York, Miami, they have access to the best healthcare in the country. Why would they do it here in, in, at Appalachian Regional Healthcare System? And the answer is we have that. It's excellent care. We talk about stars and leapfrog ratings and scores and quality, um, but still there's, um, there's reluctance. There's a question about, okay, is the healthcare here as good? And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, this was about fundraising. It was also about assuring quality. And so I think we nailed it. I'll just piggyback one small comment, which was to say we talked in a lot of the language about the quality and the excellence of the healthcare, but in a place that I call home. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just brought it down to the essence of both audiences. Uh, they both call this place, this beautiful place home. And the way in which that excellent healthcare is delivered is delivered in a personal way, which is so beautiful. And I'll tell you the campaign priorities, really, we talk about excellence. We talk about the care that people receive in other big cities or wherever else they live seasonally. The campaign priorities really address some core issues. So the bed tower, the new bed tower, when we talk about excellence and patient experience, you can have the greatest care in the world, but if the place isn't visually appealing, if the rooms are really small, the perception of care is not what it should be. And so when we talked about that to prospective donors um, in the feasibility study, they said, you're right, you're right. You need a nicer facility there in your flagship hospital. In a rural community, we have physicians that come and go. And so it's a challenge. You may have a doctor one year and the next year you come back for the summer and that doctor is gone. And so um, we said, okay, the rural family medicine residency program is all about um, providing better access and continuity of care. And so uh, people understood. They're like, yes, that that is really important access to care. Um, Heart and vascular, the new heart and vascular center 
hit a real need. We were uh, doing catheterizations from eight to five Monday through Friday. And so we so sort that of, means don't have a heart attack over the weekend. <laughs> right. You know, Ken Lewis, Lily mentioned Ken. He was a, a banker and he said, you, you really have banker's hours for your cath lab. But what if what if I have a heart attack on the weekend and or tonight or that really resonated with people being able to have a, a new heart and vascular center with 24 seven, 365 access. It does. And I want to just go back to one piece of this beautiful language that Iris touched on this, what it hits in where you're going. And I'm going to take a pause and come back to where you're going. This is literally reading from the case. It's one thing to live in the mountains. It's something else when the mountains live in you. Isn't that pretty? You've been listening to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Look for our podcast episode notes at capdev.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn.